Hi there. You're listening to the Finnish Education Perspectives podcast. I'm Melissa Giorgio coming to you from Finland, renowned for its world-class education system and high well-being rankings. In this podcast, we have conversations about Finnish education perspectives to tantalize your brain cells and hopefully your classroom and leadership practice. I'm bringing you this podcast on behalf of EduTen, the number one math learning platform from Finland that combines Finnish educational excellence with gamification and AI. If you would like to use it in your school, look for the links below this podcast. But for now, let's dive into today's episode. Today's guest is Pertu Pölönen. He is a futurist, inventor and author. He is a classically trained composer by education, but became an entrepreneur at a young age. He has studied future technologies at Singularity University in Silicon Valley, co-founded an edtech company in Myanmar, written two books and won the EU's biggest science competition for youth. In 2018, MIT Tech Review honored him among the 35 innovators under 35 in Europe. I've invited Perdu on the show today to mostly talk about his wonderful book, Future Skills, which is to be released in English later in 2021. But honestly, this guy is so diverse and interesting that we could probably get hooked on any number of topics. But let's get started with a big hello and welcome. How are you feeling in this moment, Perdu? Well, thank you very much. I'm feeling very well. And and the introduction was very kind. So thank you for that. It's well, a pleasure to talk to you. No kindness necessary because you've been so busy doing lots of different things that, you know, your your background speaks for itself. And we're going to get to that in a little bit more detail later. But it's just so nice to have a, such a diverse character on our show. So, Perto, I'm so honoured to have been given the chance to read the, the your wonderful book entitled Future Skills. And there are lots of excellent ideas bouncing off the pages um, and also some really wonderful stories about, about you and your childhood and the things that you've done, very relatable. So first of all, before we get into the meat and substance of the book, can you tell us what, what prompted you to write this book? Why did you see a need to write this book? Well, As as you said in the bio, I have been studying technologies and you know the future, how how the world is changing, and the more I got into it, and the more kind of technological and and, and kind of futuristic I, I became, I kind of started to notice that we need to counterbalance it with something. You know, the more technological the societies will become, the more empathetic and the more humane they should also become, and. When we think of the future, I mean, of course, we have to look into education. What kind of skills will we need? What are the things that we are capable of doing that computers and machines cannot do? So I wanted to go to kind of examine um, what makes us different, really. You know, what, what is the fundamental difference in how we solve problems, for example? And I kind of created this curriculum. You know, if I was sent to school right now, what would I hope that You know, they they would teach me. Um, so what skills I really would believe in and, and what I would rely on. Um, so I, I came up with, you know, storytelling, communication, perseverance, grit, uh, compassion, um, this whole curriculum. And I go through all of these skills in the book and I explain why I think um, these will become more valuable in the future. Mm. So I kind of wanted to, you know, 
underline that these soft skills that we talk a lot about, you know, it's nothing new, um, they will become more important in the future. And the challenge that comes with it is usually the fact that we kind of measure them the, in the traditional ways. You know, we kind of make a test for compassion or, you know, uh, an exam for curiosity. And because we humans are so that we, we focus on what we can measure. And at schools, we want to have, you know, test results and grades and we need to get degrees and all this. Um, I think I, I want to kind of um, write about this subject that even though we kind of measure certain things, it doesn't make them any less like important. Um, so the human aspect, the human kind of angle is very strong. Uh, and that's how I want it to be. Mm, I love it. Very good. Um, well, then, could you just keep going and give our listeners an idea? You touched on a few of the themes before, but how about you pick one of one or two of your favourite themes of your book mm-hmm. and tell us in a little bit more detail how you approach those soft skills? Because it's so interesting that it's almost like we're coming full circle. Well, we're always going round and round in circles, but, you know, before it was everything was kind of focused on human skills and mechanical skills, and now we've surged into technology, like you've mentioned, and now there's this need to bring it right back and come back to the human side of things in order to keep the ball rolling in life. But anyway, um, could you tell us why you structured the book the way you did and a couple of those themes that you want to expand upon? Sure. Um, well, I structured it so that it kind of starts with the kind of more um, tech-savvy or, or harder skills, whatever you call them, and goes towards the soft skills. And at the end, in the detention is love, um, which I for a very long time I, I was thinking, like, can I write about this? Like, is it a cliche or not? But it's there anyway. So that's kind of how it evolves. Um, but I can take a couple of them and, and, and walk you through, you know, quickly. Yes. Um, I mean, for example, uh, one very major, I think, difference between us and, and computers, machines in general, is that we can give um, meaning or purpose to things. So let's say um, the job is to make a poem or a symphony or an article or a summary or whatever the end you know, result is. Machines can do that equally well. If not now, in the future, they are able to write poems and symphonies and even whatever. Um, But the thing that only we can do is that we can give it context. So what is the motivation behind this? Like why I did it? What what made me do this? Um, I can tell you a story about my childhood and or or let's say a situation where I was on the top of a mountain hill and looking in the scenery and I was thinking of this thought and I wrote this poem from that. And when I tell you the background story, it creates you know, something to the experience. You know, when you read the poem, you have this kind of bigger picture about it. And this is one of the things that, for example, or why storytelling and communication is important. Um, Even if we are just making things, we're very good at that. If we cannot tell people why we do this, what's the purpose? What's the value for other people? Like, what what is ticking me? then, then you know, machines could come and, and do that for you. So that's one angle, for example, why storytelling is important. Yes, adds um, depth, doesn't it? Hearing yeah, right. adds depth to whatever is whatever is being you know passed on. So, and, and, and I think you know the value, like the, let's say it this way, the quality of life um, is the quality of our communication 
you know, either we get understood the right way and we get create connection. And, you know, at the end of the day, the real value is in relationships, right? So we need to really kind of foster how do we um, communicate, talk, how do you tell stories? I mean, I could go to compassion from here because if you develop compassion, everything else will come to you because you can put yourself in other people's shoes and understand life a bit better. You know, th these are connected and linked. Um, and there are some kind of, um, kind of ethical dilemmas too related to this. I mean, it's not only good things. I mean, for example, when we talk about compassion, um, I mean, can a machine be compassionate? I, I would say, I mean, they act the way as if they were, but that might just not be real. But still, is it okay for us? I, these are not kind of bulletproof uh, skills. Uh, we can never know uh, what the future will really um, bring about. Um, but but these are linked. Um, so those two I could give, um, just thinking what else. Well, let's say in interpretation or media literacy. Um, when I think of myself, you know, when I was a kid, or, or probably everybody who's listening, when we were kids, young, 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 young people, um, who was kind of parenting or raising us? Well, obviously, our parents, our teachers, our, you know, coaches, and, and those are the kind of adults who look after us um, in different situations. They, they really kind of keep an eye on us. But if I ask today, who is raising our children, you know, 2021? Um, it's not, you know, only parents and teachers and, and neighbors and, and relatives, but like hundreds or maybe thousands of people in social media. Um, meaning these influencers are kind of secret um, parents who are like feeding a lot of ideas, values, thoughts into, you know, the user's thoughts when they scroll the social media for hours a day. And in a way, I mean, the parents, they were used, they, they were used to kind of control, they knew who was kind of raising their children in, back in the day, but today they don't have that control anymore. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's a good thing that we get more influences uh, from around the world. Social media can be very good. But when it happens on like, you know, very con like focus centered or concentration, attention centered, um, uh, you know, platforms that are run by companies in the US and, and China, that might not be the best environment where a teenager is building their identity. So this kind of environment needs a completely new level of media uh, literacy and interpretation, which actually could be very difficult for adults to understand because we didn't have that. Mm -hmm. So I'm always trying to think what will increase in value in the future. And, and for example, these couple of you know, examples, I, I would say that um, if you develop these, it will not go in vain. Yeah. And it's interesting you brought up this point about um, the the community parenting via social media and influences and things like that. And one of your um, themes that you touched on in the book was about well-being. And it really stood out to me. And I just want to read a little quote from it and ask you about some, some examples. I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you for some examples of some tools to get to this point, but it was so beautifully written. But you wrote, well-being and self-awareness will be extremely important skills in the future because they help us navigate a changing world of unpredictable environments. We need self-awareness so we can recognise the fears and insecurities that change 
awakens in us. We need an understanding of what well-being really is and tools for tolerating uncertainty. There's so much in there, but I think that's so crucial when you talk about these outside influences, for instance, because we need to decide what content that we consume or what we're going to take on. So very well written there. So what are some examples that come to mind for you when you were writing that and when you think about well-being, say for younger children, 10-year-olds or such, what sort of tools could we be giving them or could schools be providing to them to help mm. them take care of their well-being? I think inner listening um, is something we will be learning throughout our whole lives, but that's kind of the starting point. You know, do I recognize those signals that my body is giving me? Do I recognize where these emotions come from? You know, especially now that we are still in, you know, COVID and, and remotely uh, working or teaching, learning, um, it's a very different environment that we've ever been in. And obviously it creates new kind of sensations and, 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 and people are quite tired or quite, you know, you know, I think, we see more burnout, we see kind of bad signals already. So if our mind is not healthy, if our body isn't healthy, you know, none of the other skills can ever even happen. Like that's the starting point that we, you know, are um, kind of in control of our own lives. I think, you know, setting limits has become a very uh, important skills today because there's so many impulses, so many kind of, um, uh, baits um, around us that we have to learn to kind of put the limits somewhere because if we don't do that then uh, we get over kind of um, I don't know it, it just doesn't end well so inner listening and acting um, in time and, and kind of recognizing um, how I um, react to certain types of situations and what works for me you know it's not I wanted to I didn't want to give like general rules, do this, do that, because we, we work differently. So we kind of have to find it from ourselves, but it starts with inner listening. Mm. So I would say that um, will, again, never go in vain. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. And I'll just put a small plug in there for mindfulness and just sitting with yourself and noticing what comes up because that's what it's all about, listening to yourself and what works for you is fine. It's whatever works and it might not work for the next person, but whatever um, keeps you on that path of recognizing what's happening in your own body and in your own mind. So yes. really, really Thanks. good. Hey, Perto, a lot of parents these days are worried about their kids' education. Like we think, I'm thinking about, uh, I. <laughs> this isn't a perfect quote and I'm not sure whether it was a study or just an anecdotal thing, but Martin Seligman once, once asked a bunch of parents what they want for their kids at school and the answers were those kind of, you know, soft skills, those well-being type answers, happiness, you know, you know feeling fulfilled, da-da-da. And then when you look at what's happening in schools, it's qu quite the opposite. They're just measurable, hard skills, also needed you know, but there's some sort of disconnect with what's happening. So parents worry about their school, the schools that their kids are going to, and they wonder whether schools are contributing to catering to their, um, their kids' futures. So I'm just wondering, what do you think the top skills and subjects that schools should be teaching? Mm. Well, I knowingly 
didn't include any traditional subjects in my curriculum. You know, I, I, I felt like um, I don't want to kind of jump into the conversation. Should we have one lesson more of this subject or less? And, and how much, you know, I think all the time we get more and more things that we should learn and the general knowledge kind of it's, it's, it's evolving all the time. So um, I, I wouldn't maybe like say um, this subject or that sub subject. Um, but maybe more like um, raise the point that right now in, in society, um, I don't know if, if everybody agrees, but I think we value um, more speed than death, which is, I think, uh, it's not a nice thing. I mean, we want results. We want concrete you know, steps. We want to know where you are in six months, one year, five years. We want to have you know, profit and growth and we, we want speed, um, whereas what we actually needed um, is depth, you know, experience, the right direction. The, the speed doesn't help at all if we're going the wrong direction. So what it means at schools is that we wouldn't always be in a hurry, <laughs> you know, yeah. trying to you know, get things done and get this and that, you know, um, you know checked, uh, but rather... Um, make sure that we're doing the right things. I mean, one way to think about it is that I, I often kind of challenge people to think, are we doing things um, or are we making the world a better place or just more efficient place? Because they don't always go in hand. You know, if a doctor is like giving a drug to a patient, they don't think what's the most efficient drug, but what's the best, what suits, you know, this patient. And, and in many ways we can, you know, bring digital devices and we can digitalize many processes. And yes, we make them very efficient, very, we can save some money and so on. But did they become better? We can actually, you know, question that, you know, we, we can make every school, every library, every shop, every this and that very efficient. Let's make robots run them. You know, that would be very efficient and very, you know, uh, cheap. But we still want to have a human in the library. We want to have a human in the shop. Like it didn't come better by taking the humans out. So at school, when there is hurry, and I get it, there's a lot of pressure on teachers already. Like they don't need any more of that. Um, still, I would kind of want to remind, um, are we doing things out of efficiency or because we know this is going to get better um, this way? So, so that's, that's, you know, no more speed, but depth. Yeah. And I love that because actually I'm thinking about um, how teachers can even create more depth while using digital devices, for instance, and a great way would be something like more metacognition, sort of thinking about the thinking that's happening when you're engaged with using those devices or something like that. So yeah, that's a great path to more depth rather than speed. I mean, speed can be good in some regards, but, yeah, I hear you that we do need to go deeper in all subjects and find ways to do it. Okay. Um, so then what advice would you give to a local school, for instance, who wants to provide, like, provide their school with future skills, say that, there's just an everyday regular school out there and they think, oh, yeah, future skills, that's something we should all be thinking about, you know. Um, what would be the first thing that a school leader might do to make their school a future school? Yeah. Well, first of all, these 
future skills are skills that are very difficult to teach in this kind of formal setting. Um, I can't imagine what a curiosity lesson would look like or, you know, courage lesson. And even though the teacher is very passionate about, you know, grit, they cannot move it <laughs> to, the, to the student just like that. It's not a, you know, you know, grammatics or, you know, multiplication tables or it's not like that. But how we can get in touch with these skills is through action and usually through art, something creative. You know, when I sing, when I play, when I am together with other people, I can sense, oh, this is what, you know, let's say flow feels like. Oh, this is what courage is. Now I get kind of in touch with, I can kind of verbalize it and I can kind of understand um, where it kind of um, um, activates. So I would say right now, for example, when we're doing remote learning, um, it's especially difficult because, you know, we are not in, in, uh, in the room. <laughs> exactly. So I think one thing that future schools um, or, or, or just schools in general can think of is that what kind of activity um, enables um, students get in touch of these parts of themselves. Mm. You know, I think art in general, I mean, I'm biased. I, I have a degree from the University of the Arts, so I'm biased, but I still think, you know, through music, through playing, through singing, so we get in touch with parts that might leave untouched otherwise. You know, if we didn't do this, um, we would never reach certain parts of the children. Um, so so it's essential, but um, all in all, uh, I think, what we have to think of is what can we get from the school that we cannot get online? The kids will be online anyway. What can they get from the teacher that they cannot get from the internet? Mm. So Google cannot touch you on the shoulder. Google cannot look you into the eye. Google doesn't have body language. Google doesn't breathe, you know? So a teacher is all of these things and a community, you know, the classroom, the lesson, the activity that happens there, you cannot get from, you know, Google. So enable the things that um, only, you know, presence can bring. And other things we can use, digital devices, Google, Internet, and that happens at home as well. Yeah. So I'm hearing you say something like the school needs to take that big picture holistic approach but then also support the teachers. So educate teachers about continuing to be almost like the translator. So when kids are learning or doing something that is uh, inspiring these types of skills, the teacher can go, yeah, and that's what creativity is, you know, and then the kid can go, oh, okay, and then sort of understand it. So almost, yeah, just being that guide on the side to sort of, yeah, keep giving that human touch and that uh, understanding of of all of those soft skills and, and and kind of make sense of yes. what yes. is happening inside and and how do i live with it even if it's positive or negative yeah. um kind of somebody please help me deal with it yeah. um so so emotion kind of emotional skills yeah um, but i think you know the one question that i already mentioned but you know, I still want to kind of repeat it. I think every teacher could ask, you know, themselves, what can I give um, to the student that Google cannot give to the student? Yeah, yeah. I love uh, it. And, and Google knows the answers and Google knows the facts and, and 
you know, we get it. But what, you know, unique do I have to offer for this individual? Yeah. And so it's just a reminder also for teachers who feel like they're being um, undermined by technology. They don't have to pack up their desks yet. They'll never, <laughs> they'll never go out of style. The opposite. I mean, the more technological will become, as I said, the more these human values will kind of show. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. Now, the final question that I ask everybody that comes on the show is, if you could wave a magic wand, what would you change or take away or add about Finland's current system of education? Mm. It's a good question. I, I've been thinking this actually, um, because uh, as you read in the bio, from the bio, um, I've been in Myanmar. And, and, and getting to know the local education system. And I have my co-founders from there, so that's why, why Myanmar. But anyway, um, one thing I learned from you know, working and seeing the situation in Myanmar is that when you come from, um, from behind so that you, know, you don't have the best starting place, um, then you're kind of more open to try new things because you know, there's no risk at you know, you know, kind of uh, losing something yeah so so every step you know every idea every solution is potentially a big step forward so the thing is when you get into a certain level that you are renowned and, and well known uh, so for, for Finland's education system the thing is the better you become the more kind of careful <laughs> you yeah. become if somebody you know is telling you a new idea new solution um, there's so much to lose <laughs> that you don't want to take risks. You don't want to try new things because, uh, oh my God, what will happen if we fail, right? Yep. So I think even though, and this is more of like a general note, that even though you're doing well or your company, your system is kind of, uh, you know, functioning well, um, don't let it slow down. Don't let you, don't let it slow you down. So, um kind of we still need to try new things and, and take risks uh, from time to time in order to build the future schools, right? You know, the fact that we're doing right now very well, um, it just tells us that they made the right choices and decisions like decades ago, right? That's when the foundation was built. But how we're doing right now, we don't actually know. We're going to see it in 2030 and 40 and 50, um, but let's not kind of lean back and just enjoy because, hey, we're doing fine. And, and I think every school um, and every kind of, I mean, education is a subtle subject. Uh, you don't want to kind of go and just change everything. And it's not like meaningful either. You, don't, you shouldn't do that. But um, I think we could be a bit more courageous still. Um, so that's my, my magic wand <laughs> trick to, yeah. you know, give people courage to try new things even though the current system is still just okay yeah i love that so no sitting on your laurels as the saying goes in english i think that i've got the best job in the world because i get to speak to people like you every other day so i really (laughs) appreciate that you've come here and spent the past half hour sharing your ideas with us 
Well, thank you. And I think what you just did, you were the translator. Something I was trying to say, you just kind of, you know, made sense out of it. So thank you. All right, Perito. I hope to see you soon. And I can't wait for this book to come out in English so everybody can read it later on this year. Future Skills by Perito Pelanen. Yes, thank you very much for this question. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening in with us today. I hope you found something practical to use from this conversation or had a new insight to keep your brain active. If you would like to learn more about Eduten, please check us out at eduten.com. There you'll find a ton of information about this scientifically based platform that makes meaningful change in students' lives. If this podcast resonates with you, please share it and leave a positive review below. Help us spread Finnish education perspectives far and wide. Of all the things you could be doing, you're right here. So thank you. Until next time, take care and stay curious.